Lord, in all of our ministry years, Tracy and I, this idea that we would both be willing to just stay wherever the Lord would place us and, and appoint us to be, but also be completely open and willing to leave if he would lead us away. I think I said early on in my, my time with all of you here that we really believe that there is only one ministry that is eternal, and that belongs to Christ. Everything else is his to ordain. And, and that has served us all so well. So as we rounded the turn on our 10th year of ministry here with all of you, alongside all of you, we had begun to sense a stirring in our hearts. Not a dissatisfaction or an unhappiness. Just a mysterious kind of stirring. And I shared it with Tracy. And so once again, we just prayed. We said, Lord, listen, we, we don't want to presume upon you or upon your people. This is your work. We will stay if this is where you want us to stay, and we will keep our shoulder to this work. But if you're desiring to lead us away, we are profoundly open, as always, for that. And within a few short months, uh, we had received um, an invitation, a call, from a former uh, ministry leader and mentor of mine, asking us if we would consider coming to rejoin that ministry, Insight for Living, and um, be a part of an international venture that is now going to train pastors and ministry leaders around the world. And so we wrestled with that and um, prayed about it because this all means so much to us because of the story I told at the beginning, because we're so convinced this is where God has wanted us to be. But the Lord has been gracious and kind, and he has made abundantly clear that, that um, he wants us to move on to another, another ministry. And so at the beginning of August, the very first Sunday in August, um, I will officially step aside as your pastor. And we will make our way, with God's help, down to the Dallas area to join the, the ministry teaching, equipping team of Insight for Living in Dallas. Um, I, I just want you to know that God has been so faithful to us, and we are thrilled by what God continues to do here. It has been an immense joy, personally, for me to be a part, and Tracy and my family as well. Our hearts are here. The Lord will have to do a great work to lift us from this place and free us in order to serve with just the same sort of liberty and freedom that we've been able to serve here with in the last 10 years. That he will do that. But our affection and our love and our passion for all of you and for this work will remain strong. And um, we, are, we are committed to that. It has also been a great joy to be a part of building a, a ministry leadership team coming alongside our, our deacons and these leaders and build into and help develop a magnificent pastoral staff that has served alongside me and uh, all of you for a decade. We are grateful. And all of that, in somewhat of a selfish way, makes it a bit easier for me to step aside and have great confidence that this work will continue to flourish and grow and expand because that's what Christ's work done his way always does. So we have a few short weeks left 
And I invite you to do just at least one thing for me. Join Tracy and me in praying for all of you and for our ministry leaders, for our pastors and their wives, and for this congregation as you all come together and seek the Lord for future things. He will be faithful. And in the weeks and months ahead, these gracious and godly committed men will lay out a path for you as a congregation. So be in prayer for them and entrust this work to them. And um, he, he will be faithful. So I wanted to give those remarks. Many of you received that in an email this week, but we realize that there are probably some guests here as well as individuals who um, aren't quite in the loop via email. And so we wanted to share that uh, personally and kind of in front of all of you today. So thank you. Uh, for that time. And listen, we're, we're here. We're available. We'd love to spend some time with you. And if you have any questions or you want to just have a cup of coffee or whatever, we're, we're looking forward to that and um, kind of maximizing our, our remaining uh, days and weeks, weeks with all of you. But in the meantime, could we do what we love to do when we come together? And that is the word of God. So if you have a copy of the scriptures this morning, I'd like to make a few remarks from Hebrews chapter 10, which will be a wonderful framework, I believe, this passage that is, to our celebration of the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. Hebrews chapter 10. I'd like to read this passage for you, uh, starting in verse 19, starting with verse 19, and then we'll go back and make a few comments. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere faith, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The message of the gospel has been embodied in both a literal and metaphorical expression of the image of the body. First, of course, our salvation came to us quite literally through the ministry of the physical body of Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. That's what the Scriptures teach. His body made our salvation possible in every way. His body lived, walked, touched, healed, uh, demonstrated great compassion and affection, suffered indescribable pain and affliction. Isaiah said it is by his stripes that we are healed, and ultimately that body was broken, punctured. It bled out and perished visibly. His body was then buried, placed in a dark tomb, 
and then rose again on the third day in magnificent power and then ascended into the presence of Almighty God. The body of Christ now alive in the presence of God the Father. That body of Christ brought to you and me, says this writer in Hebrews 10, our great salvation and provided for us the brokenness of that body and the shedding of that blood from that body gave us access to God the Father, cleansed us from a guilty conscience and set us free from the law of sin and death. That, in essence, is the ministry of the gospel. But now his body, metaphorically, is the church. You are his body. The church is very, the body of Christ is still very much alive on this planet, but it is through you, the body of Christ, now made manifest and united in his spirit. You see, that is you and I and all of us in relationship with one another and in fellowship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. The work is finished. The physical body was broken. The, the, the lifeblood was shed and spilled out, buried and raised. And now the body of Christ is made alive in the church. We are his body. And so because of all that, says the word of God this morning, we can experience a remarkable supernatural oneness in him. And this passage demonstrates for us some practical realities that we can all experience as part of the body of Christ and will help us, quite frankly, in a time of great transition. First of all, the apostle says, let us draw near to God. Draw near to God. That's what he says. Because of all this, because this work is completed, because we now have a great high priest who is over the house of God and he is in the heavenlies and this way has been opened for us by his broken body and his shed blood. Let us draw near to God because we can. We now have access to God because of Jesus Christ. Draw near to God with a sincere heart. Not perfect. None of us are perfect. We've all experienced that, the ups and downs, the highs and the lows of just being in relationship and ministry together. But there is a sincerity that is in view, that is to say, an honesty, a transparency, and a humility that is envisioned here by which we can approach God now because of what Christ has done. We come with sincerity. Just a genuineness before him and then a full assurance of faith. Do you know what that means? That means we can trust what God says, no matter what. Even when we are feeling a bit unsettled, when the ground feels as if it's shaking or moving beneath our feet, something we've become used to and comfortable with now is a bit unsettled and there's a lot of uncertainty before us. We can approach God and we must draw near to him, not only with honesty and transparency, but with confidence, with assurance that he will be faithful. We draw near to God because it's all good. It means bringing ourselves closer and closer into proximity with him, a deeper intimacy with no worries, no fears, but just a settled sense that he is there and he understands our situation. That's the invitation first and foremost, is to draw near to God with a sincere heart, a full assurance of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, anyone who comes to him must believe in him 
and that he exists, and listen, that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. If you draw near to God, you believe in him and all that he says, he will reward you with his faithfulness, with his provision of wisdom. He will give you the grace you need to trust him in times of uncertainty. And so that invitation comes to us because of what Christ has done, especially in this time. Let us draw near to God. Don't retreat from him. Don't hide. Don't, don't run for the hills, but rather draw as close as you possibly can to the Lord, and he will be faithful. He'll be faithful to you. He'll be faithful to your family. He'll be faithful to this ministry. He'll be faithful to my family because that's how gracious and good he is. The second thing he says is let us hold on to hope. That's also what he says. First of all, we draw near to God. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed for he who promised is faithful. We hold on to hope and we trust in the undeniable and always reliable faithfulness of God. This is not blind faith. This is not kind of a fleeting hope, existentialism, none of that. This is a hope that is based on a solid foundation, a reasonable and reliable record of God's faithfulness. You can hope in that. If you trust him, he's going to come through. Hope keeps my focus on things above, things that are positive, when things are very, or feeling at least, very negative down below, you see. Hope allows me to see the good in my brother and my sister, regardless of the circumstance. Hope allows me to hold on to, to things that God has taught me and taught you. When life takes a difficult turn, the body of Christ now brings that kind of hope to a world that is without hope because of suffering and death and disillusionment and all of these things that press in on us, you see. That's the idea. Let me ask you a question. Are you a hopeful person in the body of Christ? Is that what kind of flows from you and your family? Are you a deliverer of hope based on the promises and faithfulness of your, of your God? Do your words and your attitudes and, and the things that you do foster and encourage hope in other people's lives, you see? That, that's, that's the vision. And we can get so buried in our thoughts and our emotions, so embedded in our past hurtful, maybe cynical experiences, but rather we can be lifted, you see, from that because of hope that is based on solid evidence that God is faithful. If I kind of pulled this congregation somehow this morning, and, and maybe we should do more of that from time to time, there would be witness after witness after witness of the faithfulness of God especially in difficult times. You see, that's hope. That's what we can offer to one another and we can offer to a world that is without it. Hope be draws us together, holding out <clears throat> an unswerving hope in the faithfulness of God. That's what marks the body of Christ. There's a third thing he says. He says also in verse 24, let us consider. First of all, let us draw near. Second, let us hold on. And third, let us consider. Let us consider how we may spur one another on 
toward love and good deeds. This has to do with my actions and attitudes towards others in the body of Christ. And here's what the New Testament is teaching us. God is saying, listen, in these times especially, you actually need to take some time, get a little creative, use your imagination and the fullness of the Spirit to find ways to encourage one another in love and faithfulness, good deeds. Isn't that great? We opened the service, the first service this morning, with a testimony about Judy Ming. Judy Ming lost her husband, Bill, suddenly and tragically right before Easter. Bill was a great soul, and he's left an enormous kind of gap in this work, uh, and we miss him dearly. Uh, but she's got some close friends around her in the body of Christ. And so one of these friends um, got creative. And you know Bill just had this kind of flair in terms of how he dressed. And some of you have been wearing some of his clothes. I've seen that. It was just great. Bright colors. And he had a love for Hawaii, and so he wore these Hawaiian shirts. Okay, So this friend, uh, Norma Fulton, because of her love for Judy, was watching her kind of struggle with missing Bill. And so she got this idea. She took the, the Hawaiian shirts that were left, and she, did I get the right word here, wove them together into a quilt of all his Hawaiian shirts. I mean, you should see this thing. She had it with her this morning, in the, and she was, she, was, she was holding on to it. What, you know what that did? That, that, that encouraged Judy. That was Norma Fulton in Hebrews 10, just considering a way that she could kind of spur Judy on to make her feel loved and, and valued and appreciated and encourage her to good deeds. Isn't that wonderful? That, that's, that's the body of Christ at work. It was so Christ-like, right? That's what we're talking about here. Just consider how you can do that in the lives of other people, especially people who are struggling, going through a tough patch. Just take a few moments. Wow, you know what? I bet they could, and then fill in the blank, and then go for that, and you do that. You've done that to, for my family over and over again. That's the body of Christ at work considering how to encourage and build one another up to a greater experience of love and affection and confidence and goodness and actual action on behalf of the gospel. Judy's thrilled. She's in motion. She's an encourager. And what a wonderful work of Christ that is to build one another up in difficult times. Finally, he says, not only draw near, uh, let us kind of hold unswervingly to the hope and consider how we can encourage one another toward love and good deeds, but also let us not stop meeting together. Isn't that great? Let us not stop coming together as a body of Christ as some are in the habit of doing. Do you know that you can get out of the habit of being with God's people? You can do that. You can very quickly find yourself in other places and attending to other things and giving your affections and your resources and energy to other things. And the apostle is saying, let's not do that. Let's get back into or foster the habit of regularly being a part of what God is doing in the body of Christ. That means in worship, 
which is like what we've experienced here corporately, but also in fellowship, in relationship to one another. Come together in these times of worship and praise. Make a commitment as an individual, as a family, to be in this place. This ministry needs you, needs your family, needs your worship and your prayer and your praise and your encouragement. So be here. Be all here. You see, that's the idea, especially in these difficult times. That's what he says, because the days are evil and the day is approaching all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? Well, not, not Independence Day. That's come and gone. Not Christmas. <laughs> the day. You see, the day that the New Testament all motions toward, which is an ultimate day, the scripture says there is coming a day, you see, now that Jesus, the literal body, has returned to the Father. There is coming a day when he is going to return. That day. And we need to be active as the body of Christ, building one another up, encouraging one another in love and good de deeds because that day is approaching and it's getting harder and harder to be the body of Christ, to be who we are, act how we feel we need to act, believe what we believe because that day is approaching and we feel the press of culture and all those other things correspondingly that are coming along with the imminent approach of that day. Here's what the scripture says in case you've not heard it or read it. There is coming a day when Christ will return. And the scripture says that it will be unexpected. There will be a loud clap, a shout. There will be a sound of a trumpet of sorts. And the clouds will roll back. There will be a divide in the heavens. And the scripture says, the Lord will descend. That is a reversal of what happened at the end of Luke's gospel in the beginning of the book of Acts where the Lord ascended. He left the planet and went to be seated at the right hand of the Father. This day that is approaching is going to be a reversal of that. The clouds are going to roll back. There's going to be a trumpet and a shout, and the Lord is going to descend. How about that? And the body of Christ will see him. The world will see him, just as he is. Wow. Man, I don't know what to do with my life. I just, you know, I don't know what... Do this. Or do, I'll tell you what to do with your life. <laughs> Let me tell you what to do with your life. I've got a few more weeks for your pastor to tell you what to do with your life. Okay? <laughs> Number one, draw near to God. You need to get close to God. You'll never regret drawing near to the gracious, faithful Father in heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. Open his word. Build your life on his word. Draw near to him. Bow to him in prayer. Lead your family to do that. Draw, draw near to him in prayer. You need to do that. You need to trust in the promises of God. Hold on to his hope. You need to encourage one another to love and good deeds. And you need to hang out with God's people. Draw in. Don't retreat, especially in this time of uncertainty and transition. Draw in. 
as the body of Christ. <laughs> because that day is, is approaching. And then I would add, though not to this passage, but as your pastor, let us stay on mission. Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to all of us, all authority in heaven has been given to me under heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the Holy Spirit. That's our mission. That's the mission of the church. Let's stay on mission. So easy to get off track and get, get excited and begin to do other things. But our mission is to proclaim the gospel to all nations, every tribe and tongue, and to make disciples, to invest in people and grow them up in the knowledge of the Lord and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's stay on mission because we believe in this place in the power of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Amen? We believe in it. And that is our mission. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold out hope in the faithfulness and promises of God. Let us consider how to encourage one another toward love and good deeds. And let us not stop coming together for worship and praise of his name. And he will be faithful. He will be faithful. He's always faithful. You are the body of Christ. And just like his body was broken and emptied for you, this body is broken and emptied for one another. And ultimately becomes the lifeline to a world without hope. This body. Christ is the head. So you can't, you can't be the head. <laughs> you can be a hand and a foot and a heart and an ear and a leg and a knee. There's a lot of things you can be. I, I can't be the head either. Christ is the head. So that body part is taken by Christ. So he's got this. He's got this. But you can be the body. And it starts here. It starts right here. Because he showed us what it looked like to be part of the body of Christ. It's going to cost you everything. Let's bow before him. Invite our deacons to come forward at this time.